Well, how many of you guys are uh, excited for the Super Bowl tonight? All right, raise your hand if you are uh, rooting for uh, Joe Montana's old team. Yeah, okay. Uh, what about uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team? <laughs> Who's just hoping that the commercials and snacks are good this year? Yay. Amen. Uh, well, hey, I am, I don't know about you, I, I am excited. I'm hoping for a good game. Uh, I got to tell you guys, one, one joy of my life, you know, I've I realized, especially as a parent, there are certain joys of each season, right? There's also some, some hard parts of each season, but one of the joys of this season of life with my boys is um, I've been getting them to love sports like I do. I, I grew up loving uh, sports, playing sports. My dream, in fact, I was, we, my, my boys and I always have really interesting uh, conversations in the car on the way to school, and they were asking me what, if I always wanted to be a pastor when I grew up, and I said no, um, and then Silas piped up, he's like, you wanted to be in the NBA, but you weren't that good, and I'm like, fair. I tried to remember, no, God called me to be a pastor instead. Um, no, but my, 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 my desire for a long time uh, outside of that is I wanted to do like sports journalism or be like a sports talking head. And anyway, so it's been such a joy to get my boys more into watching sports with me. And it's brought up lots of great questions that you, you sort of forget, right? When, when you have been watching or doing something for a long time, there are things that are just second nature, right? Certain rules and practices and things that happen that you just don't even really think about. And uh, my boys have been asking all sorts of interesting questions. My, my son Silas, it, it was as basic as recently we were watching Barry Sanders highlights because I'm a good dad and I care about my kids knowing greatness. And, um, and he's like, uh, what happens if he goes on, onto that white part? And I was like, the out of bounds? He's like, Sure. Um, which I, I realized he didn't really fully understand some of the concepts of like, what is out of bounds? What is inbounds? What's a first down? You know, my, as we've watched it certain times, they haven't always understood, okay, so you get four chances to get into, to get a first down, right? Or is it four chances to get a touchdown? And, and I realized there are so many different intricacies of uh, sometimes something as simple and silly as football, um, which, if we are honest, is kind of a confusing thing, right? Because it's, it's called football, but you primarily play with your hands, um, and you can score by running a ball into a place, but you can also score by kicking a ball. It is a very confusing game, right? And uh, I've I, I realized more and more the, the need in that sphere of my life to help name sort of expectations and realities of this so my boys can better understand uh, and enjoy this. And I've also realized that oftentimes when we talk about uh, a church or, or a follower of Jesus having foundations for a brighter future, which is the series that we're in, oftentimes it is really helpful to better define and give sort of a vision for what it looks like to not only, one, be in sort of the guidelines and, and the, the, the right ways of what we're trying to do, but I've also realized oftentimes it's really helpful to be able to give directions for where we're headed and how to get to certain places. I was thinking this week about, how, about values because today we're going to talk about uh, our, our church's core values and kind of our, our guiding lights of, of who we are and who we aspire uh, to be. And I was, I was thinking about how often values can be really important to help us make sure that we stay on direction and help us get back on the right direction. I was thinking about how when I was 17, my oldest brother, Matt, who's six years older than me, uh, was getting married uh, in a handful of months. And uh, his wife lived on one side of the state of Michigan, and they were, when they got married, they were going to be uh, moving to uh, another part of the state. And so my brother 
uh, asked me if I would be willing to take my dad's truck and drive it to where his fiance lived, pick up some furniture, and then drive it uh, to his apartment. And uh, the man was going to give me $10, which back then felt like not a terrible little thing. So um, anyways, as I got ready to head out, because I'm going to multiple places I've never really driven, never really been to. I'm kind of a newer driver still at that point. And where I grew up, we didn't necessarily um, have to get on interstates and things like that super often, which was good because my first car was a 1994 Purple Ford Ranger and the speedometer only went to 85. So uh, did not uh, have a lot of juice in it. So I'm driving my dad's big truck. And before I leave, uh, I, I go and do what people of that time had to do to navigate, right? I went to mapquest.com. Anyone remember MapQuest? Yes. Yeah, you know, this is before the days of smartphones where you can just plug into Google Maps uh, into your phone. This is before, um, which my family, we weren't rich, so we didn't have one of those Garmins yet, if you remember those. Um, so if, if, for those of you who are maybe younger don't remember, MapQuest was this website where you could type in your location and then your destination, and it would print out for you directions on how to get there. They were wonderful things. I don't know how many times in, in my car uh, when I was a, a teenager and even into college, like I would just have old like missing pieces from different MapQuest journeys past. And they're awesome. The one hard part was, if this ever happened to you with MapQuest, if you miss one of your exits, you, like what do you do now? You can't keep following this right where it is. And so as I'm going down to where my future sister-in-law lives at the time, I realize because of some construction and other things that I'm going to miss my exit. And at this point, I'm like, I don't know what to do or where to go and all that. So uh, I call my dad and he reminds me, he's like, hey, don't forget, as I've always tried to tell you and explain to me in Michigan, these certain um, interstates and roads and, and reminding me like, hey, this one always runs north and south. This one always east and west. And it was this great reminder that when we get lost, when we get confused, sometimes it's great to have some guiding lights, some certain things to know what direction is what and where to go. And in the same way, core values are that way. And they're super important uh, in our day and age, in my opinion, because we live in a world that is confusing and chaotic. Oftentimes, uh, it feels like Year by year, month by month, week by week, uh, culture is changing up what um, all sorts of different things look like, whether it be human sexuality, whether it be success, whether it be you fill in the blank. And oftentimes core values are something that help us be able to live into the wisdom that God has given us. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're reminded this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And so we're going to dive in this morning to this idea of not only for us as, as individual followers of Jesus, but as a church community, our core values. One of the reasons why we define these, one of the reasons why we talk about these is so that way we make, every, make sure that we're making the most of every opportunity. That as we live and act and pursue certain things, we're not doing it carelessly. We're not just sort of like flippantly be like, where do we go? We're trying to have general ideas in the same way that when you play football or another sport, there are certain sort of boundary markers to know how things should flow and go. We want the same thing. Because values, I believe, are, are an important thing because values help guide us to grow in the right ways. They help us sort of know the direction to head in, the things that we're aiming for. And one of the cool things about values, in my opinion, is that 
knowing your values will help you know your victories. I've realized sometimes in life, it's hard to know what is success, where we've arrived. And I believe sometimes when we, when we focus back on our core values, oftentimes when we see the core values coming to life, we know we've experienced victory and success. And it's really important that we define them because I've also always heard the adage that, that what you reach people with is what you'll keep them with. And here at South Creek, our, our desire is not to reach people and, and get people by, by certain programs or methodologies. It's, it's not even about a building, all those sort of things. At the end of the day, we want to reach people with the love of Christ, and we want to reach them through embodying our core values because ultimately that's what we want people to experience and embody themselves. Because values will set the culture, and culture will eat any sort of intentions and plans and models for breakfast. At the end of the day, these things are super important. So this morning, what I want to do with our time is I want to talk a little bit about who we are as a church, our core values that we, uh, we, we sort of rolled out last year, and, and why they're important, what they look like, how they can be something not only you're involved in as a person within our community, but as a follower of Jesus yourself. And then I want to share a little bit more um, about something we, we, we introduced last week called Heart for the House. So let me talk a little bit about our, 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 our who we are, why we exist. So last week, we, we, we talked about sort of our, our foundation being on Jesus and his mission. South Creek Church of God exists to love people and help lead them to new life in Christ. This is our mission. This is our why. This is, this is ultimately why we exist. But our vision, our vision is to be a church community rooted in Jesus, who is persistent in prayer, gracious in love, radical in generosity, eager to serve, committed to community, and focused on his kingdom as we seek to love people and lead them to new life in Christ. Now, within our, our vision, kind of painting the picture of what it looks like for success here, um, our core values are, are, are stated in there. These, our seven core values are stated in there with the idea that those are the things that we know will help lead us to accomplish our mission. And this morning, as we're going to dive into them, I want you to think about sort of a, a building analogy, right? So last week, we, we, we talked about the story, the parable that Jesus gave of the wise and the foolish builder. We talked about the, 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 the imperativeness of having a solid foundation, and that if, if our church, our, 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 our body is, is a foundation on Jesus and his mission, in some ways, what we're going to be talking about today with our core values is almost like the framing of the house. These things are deeply important. They are all having to be connected to the foundation, but they also paint the picture for us to be able to see what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to be. And so I'm, I'm going to run through our, our seven core values, each of them, uh, and, and talk a little bit about them and why they matter to us, why we chose them, and what it looks like to walk it out. All right, so the first one is this, to be rooted in Jesus, to be rooted in Jesus. Jesus talks often uh, about trees and fruit and roots throughout scripture. And, and in particular, he talks about this idea that a tree will be known by its fruit. I oftentimes say here, um, just because someone might say that they are an orange tree, if there are apples hanging on their tree, that doesn't make them an orange tree. And one of the things that we believe as a church community, and we also believe as individuals, is this idea that if, if we want to have any sort of level of growing in the grace of Jesus Christ, of becoming more like him, um, it starts first and foremost with us having an intertwined, rooted relationship with Jesus. 
In Colossians chapter 2, it says this, So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in your faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. There's this um, imperativeness, which should just like be a very obvious, but I've met many people who, who, if we're honest, they want faith in Jesus without relationship with Jesus. And I always feel weird when I say this, but I'm just going to say it. They kind of want to be friends with benefits with Jesus. They want the good parts. They, they want peace. They, they would like to go to heaven because hell sounds terrible. But they don't really want the relational aspects of being in an abiding, deeply connected relationship with Jesus. And here's the truth. Jesus is a guy who wants commitment. He wants devotion. He wants to be exclusive, okay? Maybe today some of y'all need to have the DTR with him, right? Um, this is important. This is the foundation. This is the place that we start with. Here's the second core value for us. We want to be persistent in prayer. We want to be persistent in prayer. We really believe that prayer matters. Like throughout Scripture, we constantly see how God invites his people to not make prayer just sort of this routine thing that we do, but ultimately it's this communion with God. It's this belief in a God who is stronger and more powerful than us in this power that we, we tap into and connect with. And so for us, while it is communication and communion with God, it also is probably one of the most powerful tools and gifts that God has given us this side of heaven. And we believe that as a church, we want to be people who are radically pursuing and persisting into that. Jesus tells this story about the, uh, the, the persistent widow. We, we, we see how there's something that's really important about not giving up so quickly on things. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said this to the church in Ephesus. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We believe that prayer changes things. We believe that if we really um, want to embody and see the kingdom of God come here on earth as in heaven, it starts not just with our actions, but also with our prayers. And so we want to be persistent in prayer. Here's the next one. We want to be gracious in love. Uh, it, it is a really terrible reality that right or wrong, fair or unfair, there is uh, a bit of a, a, a PR problem with Christianity in our world today. And some of that is unfair and unlegit. And some of that we've earned ourselves. There's this reality that, that, that many people, when um, uh, polled on, uh, this is typically non-believers, when polled on what they think of um, Christians, oftentimes some of the top things they, they say uh, are not gracious or loving. They're oftentimes hypocritical and judgmental and not very kind. And I, I I am here to say that as a church community, as a follower of Jesus, I want to make grace and love something that becomes the top thing. That even if people disagree with our beliefs or certain ways of life, that they cannot deny the fact that we are incredibly loving and gracious, especially to people who are different than us, who think differently, vote differently, look differently, and all of those sort of things. We believe that the grace of Jesus Christ changes people. We really take him seriously when he talks about this idea of loving our neighbors and even loving our enemies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's, it's sort of the famous love chapter that gets read at um, weddings, which is totally fine, but it's this idea of a agape love 
uh, that only comes from God. And I love how it defines this idea of love and this embodies this idea of being gracious in love, that love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We really believe that we are called as followers of Jesus, as Jesus told his disciples that the desire for us is that we would be known by our love. That again, the rest of the world could hate us for so many reasons, but they couldn't deny our love. It's the thing we're aiming for. Next core value that we want to embody and be and aspire to be is to be radical in generosity. This idea of generosity is, is core to who God is in his character. We see that God constantly is open-handed. And this idea of open-handedness and, 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 and giving is something uh, that is beautiful, in particular as God is, is the one who is the total provider, uh, but also for the fact that oftentimes he is providing for us even when we don't really deserve it. It's incredible oftentimes how faithful he is even when we are unfaithful. But we see that not only through the example, but by the command of Jesus that we are called to be people who are generous. We live different than everyone else. While others tend to um, kind of inward focus and, and hoard their time, their talent, and their resources, we believe that as followers of Jesus, we should live open-handedly with this. Paul said this to the church in Corinth in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I love this. One of the cool things um, that we have seen in, in, in the last year or so is I've continued to see more and more people take steps of faith uh, by living more open-handedly. And it might have started small, and maybe that's still where you are, but there is something beautiful about, about when we begin to trust God by living open-handedly and when we get to be a part of some pretty cool things that God is up to by just sometimes simply saying, I'm willing to give us some of my time or some of my talents or some of my treasure. But again, part of the idea of core values is to be distinctive and different from the norm of culture. As followers of Jesus, we're called to this idea of a life of holiness, which does not mean holier than thou, doesn't mean we're like, hmm. It means to be set apart, to be different. And one of the things why we talk about core values, and in particular, radical and generosity being one of those that I think is a great marker uh, for followers of Jesus, is it is something that looks different, that runs uh, upstream against the cultural norms. The cultural norms tend to say, Excess is great. Keep what you have. Hold on to it tightly. And one of the most awesome things about, about when Jesus changes hearts is how he oftentimes begins to open up possibilities for not only the people who are willing to be generous, but those who are the benefactors of that. Here's the next core value I want to talk about. It's called being eager to serve. 
Uh, I, I was thinking about today how much this, I, I see this being embodied in our church. This morning, I, I don't know if you realize, uh, the person on the keyboard, uh, while it looked like Cole, is not Cole, just, so, just for uh, the record. That's my friend Isaac, and no, they are not uh, related other than through the blood of Jesus Christ. But um, uh, I, I appreciate it. Pastor Cole and his family kind of got knocked out by the flu this week, so they are home. They're probably watching online right now. Um, and... Uh, Anyways, when, when, when I asked Isaac if he'd be willing to kind of step in and serve, he was just like, yeah, whatever, that's totally fine. I saw this morning as I was uh, prepping things up and I was about to do a, a little Facebook Live video to invite people, I, I saw that another family in our church had posted on our, our church's um, volunteer um, page where, where oftentimes when people volunteer, if something comes up, they're, they're oftentimes uh, doing a great job of finding their own replacement. And I saw Someone had uh, posted, hey, we're sick. I don't think we're going to be able to make it. And uh, I saw my friend Luke Pitcher uh, comment on it that all join in. And I, I don't know how many times, like, like if, if, if stepping in to serve um, when someone else couldn't, if it was sort of like in baseball where there's a save by a closer, Luke has about 10 of them in the last six months. Um, one of the things that I, I love and appreciate about him is his willingness to step up when there is something like that going on. There's this idea that oftentimes service in our culture is all about not only what do I get, but it's also typically one of those things that it's a reluctant thing. I think about when uh, my boys were in diapers. This is my confession because my wife is in the toddler room. I'll deny this later and I'll wipe the tapes. <laughs> but let's be honest, and if you're a parent, you probably did this too. There'd be moments, right, where I was on kid duty for a little while and I knew that, that my wife was going to be home soon, and she would kind of like take over for a little while, where let's be honest, sometimes the, the, the kid had left a present in their diaper. Sometimes you're just like, forgot that was there, my bad. I don't know about you, I wasn't always that eager to uh, take care of those. But as followers of Jesus, one of the things that we see over and over is, 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 is Jesus' model and desire. He said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. There was this sense of um, not just like duty that Jesus had when it came to serving others, but there was like this eagerness. There's something about the way that he lived and loved where he was looking for these opportunities. One of the, one of the things that we want to be as followers of Jesus as a church community are, are, are people who are looking for ways to serve. We're not sitting back and, and, and sort of being like, I wonder if God will ever have issues for us to, to tackle or deal with. We want to actually be looking for those, to be part of solutions, because we believe that God has given us gifts and talents and time and opportunity to be able to serve others. They're like one of the most beautiful blessings of becoming a follower of Jesus is to kind of kill the obsession that we have with our own selves and one of the greatest ways to stop focusing so inwardly is to serve outwardly with others. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul said these words, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. He's talking about freedom in Christ. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I love that idea, right? We love the idea of freedom in Christ, right? But most of us, if we're honest, the idea of freedom in Christ is all about the benefits that come back to us. And I love Paul's words here when he's talking about this idea that no, 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 you were set free to go help set others free. You were given so that way you can give. 
every single one of us too, whether you believe it or not, has value and purpose and opportunity to serve others. And it may look different than you think. For some, it may look like serving with a a certain organization in our community, one of our ministry partners. For some, it may be uh, signing up to help out with South Creek Kids or or, um, greeting or or all sorts of stuff. For others, it may literally look like seeing a neighbor, uh, maybe who lost their husband earlier this year, and helping out with their yard. There's all sorts of ways, but may we be people looking for these opportunities to not serve ourselves, but to serve others. Committed to community. Committed to community is, is one that we are just now beginning to see more and more um, life happening as, as different life groups and Bible studies are starting to pop up. But we believe that in a world that is isolated, that oftentimes um, is, is into cancel culture and is into just sort of like, what have you been doing for me lately? We believe that as followers of Jesus, we are called to not do life alone. We are called to actually like band together and to not only band together, but to band together in a committed way. One of the beautiful things about the church is the church is like family, right? And one of the, the, the hard parts about family, right, is you don't get to choose your family. How many of you guys have a family member that you don't particularly enjoy being around? It's okay. Don't look at the person. Come on, guys. No, but it's true, right? One of the things that's funny about family is the fact that there are things... Um, there, there, are, there are certain family members we don't really connect on a lot of same interests and, and ideas, and, and we don't even necessarily always enjoy like being around each other. But what keeps us together is our familial tie. And in the same way, one of the awesome things about the church is this idea that as a family, we are tied together not by our personal preferences, not by the the activities we enjoy, the political views we have. They're not on all of these things. We are tied together by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters, not by choice, but by Jesus' sacrifice. And we believe that in a world that, that is so easily ready just to write people off and isolate back, that again, one of those things that makes the church unique, that gives it a sense of, Um, witness into the world so that we are different is when it brings together people who the world would say should be separated when it brings us to the same table with grace and kindness and love and respect for one another. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need practice hospitality. We want to be committed to community. And here's our final core value. We want to be focused on the kingdom. We believe that Jesus called us to to seek first his kingdom, to pursue making our community feel like heaven has come down here. And so that means that we pursue missional focuses that not only meet tangible needs in our world, but also meet spiritual needs. We believe, as we're going to talk more about next week, that that Jesus really was serious when he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I command. We believe that focusing on his kingdom and advancing it will be putting aside the idea of pursuing and building our own kingdom. Like at the end of the day, the kingdom of Aaron 
not important. At the end of the day, the kingdom of South Creek, a wonderful thing, but not as important as the kingdom of God. We want to pursue things that at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is that King Jesus is praised, that his thoughts and values and ideas are advanced. That is the most important thing. Jesus said these words in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, but, first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. When he said those words, he was talking about this idea of worrying. And here's the, here's, here's the thing about, um, about following Jesus. There is so many things we probably could worry about and say, but what about this, Jesus, and what about this? And Jesus' great response is really just pursue my kingdom, pursue my values first. And just trust that I'll take care of the rest. You see, friends, our our values will inform our actions and our actions will affirm our values. This is why these are so important for us to understand, to be reminded of. Because as we understand our values, it helps develop not only inside of us, our core to who we are, but it also helps us be able to figure out where we're going, what we're pursuing. It helps us be able to say sometimes if there's something that comes up that we could do that doesn't fit in our core values, we probably don't need to worry about doing it. And if we're invited to try to do things that are outside of our core values, we're going to say no. We want to pursue these things because to us, these are the most important things. Now, I share about our core values, about foundation again, because we're, we're in this series called Foundations for a Brighter Future. And part of this series is, is we uh, began last week talking about something that we're calling a generosity initiative called Heart for the House. And uh, if, if you weren't here last week, we talked about how we have now uh, passed the threshold of 15 years here in uh, our existing location here at South Creek. And in that time, God has been incredibly good to us. We've seen hundreds of people be baptized, tons of people uh, impacted by our recovery ministry, our preschool, all sorts of things. And we're now hitting a, a point, a precipice, where we believe that it is important for God's people to uh, take care of some of the foundational pieces of being able to, one, have a great facility that continues to do great life-changing ministry, while also being able to pursue some dreams that we have to meet, reach more people with the love of Christ. And so I'm going to go over again in a moment kind of these, these projects, these phases that we have coming up and, and share a little bit more about that. But before we do, to kind of set that stage, I asked my friend Abby Gibson to uh, um, let me uh, do kind of a video interview with her uh, to talk a little bit about why her and her family love our church and what has sort of drawn them in as they are people who are newer in the last handful of years. So watch this video with me real quick. Uh, Hi, I'm Abby Gibson, and uh, we've been going to South Creek for approximately three years. And honestly, what brought us here is our kiddos. Uh, We had gone to a small church for all of my life, most of theirs. So um, it was an older congregation, so that sent us looking for uh, something to help our children connect. Uh, So we actually ended up at a larger church and they kind of felt lost in the shuffle. Uh, It was different people and youth every week and they were like, this isn't how I'm connecting. So we watched a lot of different services online, watched South Creek, just kept coming back to it. Aaron's fantastic, he's funny. Um, And so we physically came in person. And I think it was either the first or the second Sunday we were here, he personally came and introduced himself to us and kids loved youth, had a fantastic time and we've been here ever since. 
so what keeps us here at South Creek is obviously the messages I feel um, are very biblical. They, uh, Aaron does a great job linking Bible verses into uh, his message and then kind of how it applies to our everyday life. There have been several messages where I've had to sit on that for a while, so it, it definitely makes you think about it, which it's the number one reason for going to church is connection and growth and spiritual growth. I've seen that with my children. Uh, they love youth and are excited to go. Uh, they're actually going to a youth conference in Orlando and that's huge for them. It's huge for me to allow them to do that. So um, the spiritual growth I think for my entire family is what has kept us here. So I'm most excited about the future here at South Creek is because of the growth. We have a huge uh, youth program and our preschool program. It's We've got tons of young families here, which is the sign of a healthy and growing church. Uh, one thing I absolutely love is our church is small enough that I recognize people and you know could know them out in the grocery store, but also I see new faces every Sunday, and I think that's fantastic. I love the community outreach that we do that we are expanding outside of the four walls. I feel like that's absolutely very important and uh, just excited to see where we go next. I love hearing stories of how, um, how people have found their way here, um, how our church community has been a blessing to their growth and their family's growth. And so I so appreciate Abby um, sharing this morning. So heart for the house, here's, here's sort of the, the, the big picture. Um, as we enter into these 15 years here at this existing location, uh, we want to be good stewards of taking care of some things. So, you know, if you have a home, you, you often know that a 15-year mark tends to, to hit where there's different maintenance repairs and things like that. And so I want to share with you these um, four phases that we, we have lined up as this, this, this idea of this is to pursue taking care of some infrastructure things as well as pursuing some, some vision things to help us better reach people for Christ. And the idea is that um, on February 25th, we kind of have our, our, our kind of commitment Sunday to talk about, and it could be something where maybe you and your family pray and you feel like you could do a one-time gift, or um, my family, we're talking about doing something monthly. Uh, but the idea is to pursue these uh, different phases, and I'll, I'll share with them in a moment. But the idea is that as money comes in, which is kind of cool, different than maybe a traditional kind of capital initiative, is that as soon as we have monies for certain projects, we can begin them immediately, which is really cool. So uh, as you'll see in a minute, a phase doesn't even have to be fully funded to be able to start certain projects. So let me go over these phases real quick. Phase one uh, is this, just this. We want to redo the lobby flooring and the office wing flooring. We want to do kind of a, a stage redesign that will help us um, one, kind of freshen some things up here, but also maybe help us as we pursue a little bit more of some online ministry to reach people with the love of Christ. We'd like to get a new camera set up that would help us not only storytell some of the impact that's happening better, but also have maybe a better online live stream. And uh, this one's really fun and sexy. Uh, AC units uh, in our building are, are slowly kind of starting to go out. And so we want to be able to have money set aside for those as they come up. Phase two. So 23,000 for phase one. Uh, if we can complete that through that, we'd move on to phase two. Phase two would be updating our indoor lighting to LEDs, which hopefully would in the long run uh, help us actually save money uh, and uh, be cost effective. We'd like to paint the exterior of our building because it needs a little refreshing. 
Phase three would be this, um, some more AC unit replacements. We'd like to give some of our next generation spaces, our kids ministry, youth ministry, uh, a little bit of a, a facelift just so they look even brighter and better and more inviting because we really do care about those ministries and uh, also do some new signage and kind of give the lobby a little bit of a makeover. And then phase four, which I'm very excited about, would be this, to uh, essentially start a investment slash endowment fund. And the idea behind this uh, would just be this, uh, as, as church giving trends and, and charitable giving trends go down, uh, we, we recognize that we want to be wise and sort of ahead of the curve. And we, we also recognize that as, as some people head more towards that um, latter part of life, we begin to start thinking about legacy. I told the story last week, which is true. My wife, Hunter, and I uh, decided to finally try to be a little bit more adult-like, and we, we put together a will. And part of our will um, was that if, uh, if we were to die, um, some of our assets and, and monies would come to church here because we, we believe that um, if we give in life, why would we not want to also give in death? And one of the ideas of, of sort of an investment endowment fund uh, would be the, the idea that people could give legacy gifts there that would outlive them, that, that the idea would be that there would be a certain amount that would be set in the fund uh, but as it would make interest and grow, uh, that interest could help us be able to do some things like making um, principal payments on our existing mortgage or being able to pursue certain ministries that we might not have been otherwise or if there was a budgetary shortfall on a certain year. Um, our hope would be that that would become something that would help us uh, be set up in good wisdom for the future. All in total, the, if we could complete all the phases, it'd be $84,000. Now, here's the, here's the cool thing. If we can um, do all of those, it'd let us do some really cool things. It'd let us make sure that our building is in great working order. One of the things that I'm really proud of is there's many churches out there that really function where their buildings may be used, I don't know, four or five hours a week. And uh, as I've kind of done some, some averaging and mathing, um, our, our building gets used about 50 hours each week, which is pretty incredible. Um, it, it really is a, a sort of community focal center. And so uh, it gets used for a lot of good beyond just our Sunday morning. But the invitation in this is to um, help us be able to complete some of these things. And, and these are things that not only are outside of our budget, but would also give our existing budget some relief. Uh, and this is something uh, that we really believe uh, as a leadership team um, will help us uh, just be in a really good position as a church to be um, healthy and in a really um, awesome spot. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do I get involved? There already is an online giving tab um, related to Heart for the House. Over the next week or two, I'm going to share more about kind of the idea of making some sort of thought of thinking through a commitment that maybe you and your family feel comfortable and called to do. Um, but uh, some, some, some may, might ask and wonder, okay, so for during this time, do you want us to kind of move over our regular tithes and offerings into Heart for the House? Please do not. That, that is not the idea. The idea of Heart for the House is to be something over and above our regular normal tithes and offerings. This is sort of more of a, a, a generosity thing to help put us in a great position uh, as a church family. Um, if you go to our website, southcreek.church, there is a tab that explains more of Heart for the House. There's some frequently asked questions. At the Connection Center, there's some printed out things talking a little bit more about this. But as always, if you have questions or thoughts about this, uh, you can always feel free to email me. And yes, there are also some of these projects um, we will be doing more in-house. And so we may um, be looking for those who may want to um, help uh, complete some of these with us. So if you're interested, you can let us know. But uh, as we kind of close out, I'm going to invite my friend Isaac to come back out. And we're going to sing one last song together. But, but I just kind of put a bow on this idea of values. I, I, I want to say this. Um, I said this last week, and it's, it's kind of a theme for this whole series, is just this, that brighter futures 
don't just happen. Uh, they take intentionality, they take sacrifice, and faith. Every single person, every single church, every single organization that has had a bright future, it didn't just happen. It took uh, actual steps and action and faith and sacrifice. And uh, I, I think, how cool is it that we get to be a part of that, that we, we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us to sacrifice and to serve? And, and how cool, as my friend Brad Pride said in a video last week, like the time is for us now, and that's so cool. The last thing I'll say about values is this, that the values of Jesus will, will lead you to experience victory in this life and the next. At the end of the day, when we talk about our core values and we talk about our mission, this isn't just a thing that is about us. It's about others. But ultimately, if our great desire is for us to experience peace and hope and joy in our life, if our desire is to be with Jesus in eternity, the best way to experience and, and ensure those things is by leaning into Jesus and his values, to join him in his mission, and to really see how God just does incredible things in and through us. Would you guys stand with me as we're um, going to go into a time of prayer, and then we're going to sing uh, one last song together. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we are, uh, again, so grateful for um, your wisdom Father, we're grateful for your word and we're, we're grateful for the way that you give us a sense of clarity and direction. That, Father, you give us a blueprint through not only the example of Jesus, but his words and his teaching to help us know how to live well, to make the most of every opportunity. Father, I pray for us as a, a church family that, Father, we would make the most of every opportunity. That, Father, as we've seen growth, that we would not let it stop. That we would continue to pursue others uh, with the love of Christ. That through our words and our actions and our deeds, uh, that, Father, many would come to know you as Lord and Savior. That, Father, you would help us pursue things that would, would make earth look more like heaven. Father, most importantly, though, would you help us just be rooted in you? Father, I pray this morning, uh, there may be some that for the first time, they're hearing all these things, and they're like, I don't really know about all of this. Um, tell me more about that Jesus guy. Father, this morning, I pray that, that maybe for some, it's the first time, the first time in a long time, that they just call out to you, that they surrender to you. They say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life, because my life is chaotic and, and dark, and, and Father, I need you. 